Well, we're in our series leading up to next Sunday, which is our provision for the house offering. <clears throat> we talked a little bit pretty strongly about it last week, about what it's for and, and what the purpose that is behind it. And, you know, I have, uh, ever since uh, the 1st of August, we've been talking about a lot about the church. And um, we've been talking about connection. And this month we've been talking about provision for the house and, and really understanding it and believing in it. You know, there, there was a day in my walk with God, I wasn't raised in the church, and when I came into the church, it seemed like that everybody talked about money. And I didn't, I didn't you know, I, I would be in church services, and when they started talking about money, it's like my, my brain just, like, disconnected. You know, I love the worship, I like to hear the word preached, but when they started talking about money, I'm going, eh, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to listen to all that. And, and, it, and it, it affected me. Well, <clears throat> over time, what I realized was that the Bible talks more about money than it does about faith. It talks more about money than it does about salvation, about baptisms. Um, it, it talks more about money than it does relational issues. It talks more about money than it talks about any other topic in the Bible. Money is talked about. And uh, so, <clears throat> if, you know, if God saw the need to talk about money and riches and possessions more than anything else, um, then maybe we need to discuss that. Maybe we need to discuss it so that people come for answers to the Word of God instead of coming to the world for answers. We don't, we don't want to go to the world for answers where we're concerned financially, right? We don't want to get our answers there. You know, we can get help and we can go through different groups and organizations, you know, that, that help people or those kind of things. Some of those organizations are good, but we don't want our answers from the world. We want our answers from the Word. And I'm grateful and thankful for that. Um, just in a little review over what we've discussed in the last few weeks on this, um, Psalm 92 says that those who are planted in the house, they'll flourish in the courts. And the Bible is real clear that the courts represent everything else. When I'm planted in the house of God, and we, and we know based on 1 Timothy 3.15 that the house of God is the church, which is the pillar of truth. What, what is a pillar? It's a support. Well, the Bible says that it is the pillar. The, the, the house of God, Old Testament, which is the church, New Testament, is the pillar of truth. In other words, it is the foundation that everything else works off of. So, if you're planted in the house, which is the church, if you're planted in the house then you'll flourish in everything else you do. But we live in a society where, where church has become almost a cliche. It's, it's become common. And when Jesus mentioned church in Matthew 16, it was the first time that word had ever been mentioned. It's the first, in other words, <coughs> as far as we know, <coughs> Jesus created that word. That's the first time that we see that word, church. And the word church is defined as the gathering. The gathering, the coming together. Everybody say gathering. 
So when you're planted in the house, which is the church, you're part of the gathering. And there's something about gathering and coming together that we're going to see today in Scripture that's vital to understanding why we are to allow God to be involved in everything in our life, even where our finances are concerned. It's vital that God is a part of that. So when you're planted in the house, then you'll flourish in everything else that you do so that when you do everything else, you're empowered by the things of God. And that comes from being planted in the house. You say, well, you know, I I don't understand that. I I don't either. I don't either. I I don't understand. Out on the front of this building is a little satellite dish from Dish Network. And, you know, if the preaching got bad in here, we could turn on the cowboys. Well, no, we wouldn't do that. But uh, we could turn on the New England Patriots or somebody. But... We have a, we have a, a little, uh, what do you call it? Remote. remote. Yeah, we have a remote. And I don't understand how that little satellite connects to a big satellite, I don't know, 20,000 however miles away or whatever it is. Up there in the sky, there's a satellite that that little satellite connects to, and it enables me to use that little remote. I, I don't understand how that works. But Thursday night in another state, I watched the New England Patriots destroy the Houston Texans. And it didn't keep me from being able to not enjoy that. Right? Because I didn't understand it. I don't understand how being planted in the house causes me to flourish in everything else I do. He just said it, so I believe it. See? And what we're talking about in these last couple of months, what we're talking about is getting to a place where we understand what we believe and why we believe it. You don't want to find yourself doing something in life where you don't believe in it, where you're just doing it because someone else said it. You're just doing it because it seems like it's a popular thing to do or not. You don't want to find yourself not being planted in the house because you found out that other people don't think it's real important. You don't want to do that. You want to believe in why you do what you do. Can you say amen? So, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, when talking about the heart of God, we talked about, out of 1 Kings 9, that the word said that God's Eyes are on his house, and his heart is in it. And two different translations use a word at the end of that that are both a little bit different, but they mean the same. It said God's eyes are on his house, and his heart is in his house forever and always. Forever and always. His eyes are on his house, and his heart is is in his house. I don't know about you, but in my walk with God, the longer that I've walked, I have a greater desire to want to know God in a better way. How many can say that? That's me today. You want to know God in a greater way. You want to believe in God in a greater way. What, what do you have to 
have in a relationship with another person to grow in a relationship. Only one thing that will cause a relationship to grow, and that's to have each other's heart. I have my wife's heart. She has my heart. So we're growing together, and our relationship after 37 years of marriage is growing stronger and stronger all the time because we have each other's heart. In other words, we, wanna, we, we, we desire to get to know each other better today than what we've ever known each other. If you desired to know Bill Gates, you probably would, it would do you good to probably start with getting a job with Microsoft. Because more than likely, you won't meet Bill Gates in Kerrville, Texas. More than likely. If you want to get to know somebody, you've got to get their heart and you've got to go where their heart is. Jesus said, when he used the word church, he said, I will build my church. Everybody say build. Jesus is in the construction business of the church to this day. Amen? And to have his heart, you've got to be in church. Now, since I've been born again, I wasn't raised in church, and so I, I didn't get born again until I was almost 18 years old, but since I've been born again, I've, been, I've seen people forever trying to separate, they try, they've tried to separate the love for God with the love for the church. But if God's heart is in the church, because it's, it's in the house, which is the church, New Testament, and that's where his heart is, then that's where I need to be. See, but i got to believe that. See, you, I, I have to believe that what I'm telling you today from Scripture is, is really true. I don't understand it. I don't understand why I need to be in church. I don't understand it any more than I don't understand the satellite thing, but it doesn't keep me from enjoying the benefits of it. Amen? And there's things about being a part of the house that I've got to believe in so that I don't do something in the house and in the church that I don't agree with. But there are times when your ideas are wrong, but how many know you can change the ideas you have today like right now? Hmm? Because in life, God gave you a choice for everything. Right? You hear stories of somebody, something happened, and some guy murdered somebody. Did they have to murder that person? No. They made a choice. Whether it was premeditated, whether it was an accident or whatever, there was a choice made to do what they did. They didn't have to do it. You and I today, we have choices in everything that we do. And my desire above everything else is to get closer to God. And I see in Scripture that the way to get closer is to get planted where His heart is. See, if we spent time, you know, if, if I showed you this Prayer 31 thing, and it's about praying for states and politicians and issues and stuff, if we made this pulpit a, a political agenda... And, and all we did was talk politics, the talking politics wouldn't liberate your life. See, the heart of God is in this. 
And this place, the church is not this building. The church is you and I. But this is where we gather. See, church is called the gathering. Everybody say gathering. So we're gathering as the church. Okay? But this building becomes the place where the church meets because of you and I. See, it's, this, is, this is gates of the city. This is the church building, but it's not the church. But it's the church building. Why? Because the church meets here, right? The church of Jesus Christ. And when we meet here, it's our responsibility that this pulpit never delivers anything but the heart of God. See, so what I'm telling you today is what I believe, but it's not just my opinion. It's something that went from my opinion to a belief in my heart. So I'm telling you today, if you get planted in the house, you get planted in the house, you'll flourish in everything else you do. There's three families in the church. There's three families in the church. There's the church family, that's one. There's the giving family, that's two. And there's the serving family. The church family will not exist without the giving family and the serving family. But what it should be is that the church family should be made up of the giving family and the serving family. And when you are in a serving mode because you want to be, and you are in a giving mode because you believe it is the will of God, not because you're coerced or, or pressured or your arms pulled or you're manipulated or any of those kind of things, but you're a giver because it's the will of God, then what you do will flourish. I'm going to say it again. There's three families. There's the church family, there's the giving family, and there's the serving family. And God... These last two months, God has been spending time, and we've dedicated. Well, I don't know that we've done this this much in, in all the years that we've been here. But these last two months, we've dedicated this time to illustrate and make clear what God's Word says about His church, about serving and connection, and about giving. Amen? So, I want you to look at Isaiah Chapter 40. All that was just free. The rest of this will cost you. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 40. So, I don't know when it was sometime I, I heard a person preach and they made a statement about this verse, Isaiah 40 and verse 31. They made a statement about this, and I thought, eh, I don't know. I'll have to check that out. So, you know, I, I'm not going to believe something that I've never heard before. I heard, when, when I heard this preached, I had never heard it before. So when I hear something preached that I've never heard before, I don't take that as the gospel truth. I've got to go find it out for myself and make sure that it's true. Okay? So I went, and sure enough... It's exactly so. Everybody say, the church equals the gathering. Say it again. So church is a gathering. It's us coming together. Okay? So in Isaiah 40, this is a powerful verse too. In Isaiah 40 and verse 31 it says, 
Those who wait on the Lord. The literal here is those who gather together in the Lord. Those who gather together in the Lord shall renew their strength. Anybody ever felt like your strength was zapped? Anybody ever had, don't raise your hand, but anybody ever felt like giving up in life? Throwing in the towel, not quitting at what they were doing. Um, it says, those who gather together in the Lord shall renew their strength. If you've ever felt that way. Someone may ask, Pastor, have you ever felt that way? Yeah, I've felt that way. In all the years that I've pastored, there, there's been a time or two when I felt that. It doesn't mean that you feel something and you have an emotion and you follow through on it, but you have that emotion and that feeling. And, and it feels like you're done, you're toast, I'm finished with this, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, or whatever. Well, a lot of times the devil will lie to you that when you're Strength is zapped. And you don't need to go to church. You need to rest. You know, you need to, you need to spend time resting. You don't need church. What I found out is that when my strength is zapped, I need more church. Why? Because God's heart is in it and his eyes are on it. And when I feel exhausted and frustrated and tore up and like I can't do it another thing and I can't put another foot in front. You know, I didn't ever feel like, there was years I didn't feel like I'd ever feel that way. But then all of a sudden, after a number of years in ministry life, I, be, I, I felt that way. And I needed more of the Word of God and I needed more of the investment of God because I needed the heart of God. Because that's where the heart is. That's why we need church. That's why we need to be connected to church. Notice he says, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. One translation says they will never faint. Why? Because they're planted in the house, right? And the house is the church and God's heart is there. So when I'm hearing the word, as you're hearing the word today, I don't know how it works. You may have, you may have an issue today that's totally away from even what we're teaching about today, but just being in the house, that's what we call this place because we're here, but being in the house and hearing the word causes things to happen in you that I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me, but it just happens. I sit home and watch television and meditate on how I feel and don't want to come and don't want to be here or whatever. The enemy's getting his way in your life and making sure that you're not where the heart of God is. You're where your emotions can be fed. And the more your emotions are fed, the worse it gets. I'm telling you, every single time. Does that offend anybody the way I talk to you like that? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's the truth. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Amen? You know... You know so, you know, periodically you have to do things out of your schedule or whatever. My, my earthly father was, had some issues in his body, and I had to run for a couple of days real quick trip to New Mexico, and, and I had to, to run there. But, you know, man, am I thankful for the church. I'm so thankful. You know why? Because the church taught me the word. See, the church doesn't necessarily teach all the mechanics of what you do, but it teaches you how to do what you do. 
right? Uh, I, I grew up as a golfer, and, and, and the church didn't teach me how to play golf, okay? It didn't teach me the mechanics of golf, but it taught me the head of golf. And if anybody is a golfer, one of my good friends, Chad Metcalf, and his wife are here today with us, and he's a professional golfer, and, and uh, so he, he, he plays for a living, and so he understands, because he's a Christian, how much the Word of God affects the mechanics of the game. See, you don't learn the mechanics in church. Nobody hears teaching someone how to play or do specific things necessarily, but it teaches you the soulish part of how to accomplish the mechanics. You see? And you can't, be, you, you can't win in whatever it is that you do. You can't win without the understanding that the church brings. Because I'm so grateful as I, as I went to see my father, you know, I, I got, for some reason, got around a bunch. Of, I didn't realize I was going to go to this, this gathering of people, and, and I was around a bunch of people that I knew from the past. And the church taught me the word. And there was one person after another person after another person after another person. Then a phone call and another phone call and another phone call and another situation. I mean, I was just gone for two and a half days. But if you don't have the word, you can't help people. People are hurting everywhere. 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 I'm driving home, and a little old lady that she's almost 90 years old, and she still does all her stuff. And I had breakfast. My dad and I had breakfast with her before I left to come home on Saturday. And uh, she's calling me because of the ministry of the Word. She's calling me to make sure I got home on time. She's just making sure I got home. She just had a concern that I, um, I was driving such a long way and that I, that, I, that I got home okay. See, but her concern was the result of the ministry of the Word on behalf of her family. Her family's in a mess. But how are the family going to change if somebody doesn't have the Word? And how is anybody going to have the Word without the church? See, you can have the knowledge of this, but see, what church life gives you is the opportunity to practice this. See, because in spite of our differences, as a, as a gathering of people, and there's gatherings of people all over the planet, in spite of our differences, you need the church because you need to practice with church people how to live by faith and not kill people. You got to learn how to do it. And this is where you do it. We got differences. I mean, everybody sitting in here today has a different perspective about life and about a lot of different issues. And you need church life because God's heart is in it, number one. And you'll get closer to God when you learn to love people in spite of them. See, that's why connect groups are so important. As, we've, as we started up connect groups in sep this, this, this month, this is still September, yeah, this month, as we started connect groups again, the reason it's important is because now you've got to put your faith out to get along with people. And, and we encourage you, don't just join groups where everybody likes what you like. Join groups with people that, you know, don't like everything you like. And you might think, well, I don't want to be a part of that with them. Yeah, you do. You want to be there. Huh? It's only once a month. Most of them are only once a month. See? So 
You spend two, two and a half hours in a connect group, and you have to exercise your faith with the differences that other people have. But what you'll realize is there's things that those people have that you don't think you wanted to be with. They have things that you need. Even if it's negative. Well, I don't know about that. Okay. All right. We'll talk about it later. So, 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 so I'm saying that to say I'm so grateful for what the Word gave me. It gave me faith. You know, what church gave me. Church gave me faith. No other place taught me faith but the church. No, no other place taught me the Word but the church. No, no other place taught me how to raise a family but the church. No other place taught me how to forgive people but the church. And I had unforgiveness a mile long on the inside of my soul. Nobody taught me how to forgive but the church. God's eyes are on it and his heart is in it. And that's how you get close to God, being connected to the church of Jesus Christ. Wow, Pastor, what does that have to do with giving? Everything. Amen? No. So, Luke chapter 16 says this. <clears throat> Luke 16 and verse... Um, 11. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to your trust... The true riches. Colossians 1 says that the true riches are God's anointing. If you've not been faithful in money, how can you be entrusted with the anointing? How can you be entrusted to help people with the word when you've not been faithful with money? You say, well, what does that mean? I, I don't even really totally 100% understand that. It just says it. So I've gotten to know it and understand it in a greater way. Because, see, if you'll cheat people with money, you'll cheat people in other ways. Notice the verse before that in verse 10. It says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. And we've used that verse of Scripture to talk about the tithe. If you have $1,000 and the tithe would be $100, that's a little bit. That's a little compared to the other 900 that you have. And if you're not faithful to, if a person isn't, doesn't get the revelation to be faithful to honor God with the $100, then why could you be entrusted with the other 900? See, it all has to do with money. I'm telling you, the Bible talks about money and all the answers for money issues are right there. And, and you don't have to understand it. But you can reap the benefits when you just obey and you allow the understanding to increase as you just obey what God tells you to do. All has to do with money. Deuteronomy 8.18 says that God gives us the power. Do you have that verse? Deuteronomy 8.18 you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And the covenant that God wants established in your heart is the covenant that you and I have with Jesus Christ. See, we're joint heirs with Jesus. 
He, we're born again of the Spirit of God because of what Jesus did out of obedience. God wants that covenant established in us. And he says here that, that, that the covenant with him is established in understanding that he wants you prosperous and he wants you wealthy. God wants us advancing and he wants us wealthy. But there's a way to do it. And there's a way to do it God's way. 2 Corinthians 9, verse, or 8 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That through his poverty that we would become rich. He became poor by coming to this earth, left the riches of heaven to come to this earth so that you and I could prosper and advance in the ways that he, he set up for us. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Opportunities will come your way as you are what? As you're a giver. As we sow seed, as we understand the benefit of sowing seed, then we reap the harvest. That's God's economy. That's what establishes his covenant in the earth when we learn to give and and understand that. And we do it because we want to, not because we're forced to. So in Matthew 6, I've got this verse and one more. I want to show you something that I believe is vital. To your and my understanding. And I tell you, this passage of scripture right here, these three verses, for the longest time, these three verses were in that category of, that, of Jesus saying, love your enemies. You know? I could not understand why he would say, love your enemies, when I'm thinking, I want to take my enemy out. Right? With people that have done me wrong, I want to strangle them, not forgive them. And, and so those verses of Scripture made no sense for a long period of time to me. Well, these three verses right here, 19, 20, and 21 of Matthew 6, were in that, to me were kind of in that same category. And it says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So what I'm going to say about this, number one is, that he's not saying here, what he's not saying here is not to invest financially into the world and into things in the world. We're to be led by the Spirit. There's a number of scriptures. The Proverbs talks about, you know, talks about the ant and, and, and looking at the, at the ant and how the ant does and stores up and those kind of things. There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talks about storing up and investing in the, in the natural system. But verse... 21 is the one that became the clincher for me that got, caused me to realize and understand these other three verses. For he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Where you spend your time and money is where your heart is. I don't totally understand why he said that 100%, but I'm understanding it more and more every day. Where your treasure is, 
there will your heart be. Where is God's heart? In his house. In his church. What is his treasure? Starting with his son who is the head of the church. But the treasure is us. How much that God treasures you and I. And so his heart is here. You you know, I kind of see it like this, that all of heaven, all of heaven is focused on what's going on in the church and how the church is doing what God said and that we're living our lives as the church the way God wants it because he's building it. That's why we've got to, see, that's why we have to do things according to the plan and the pattern as I'm giving you today. We've got to do things according to his plan because he's building it. But if you and I say, well, we don't believe all that. We're just going to do it our way. Then God's church can't be built because he won't build his church on other people's ideas. He'll only build his church on what he says is so. This verse of scripture just got me. So what I realized over time in verse 19 and 20 was the way you store up treasures in heaven. I mean, literally, or the way it's come to me, you may see it different. But the way it's come to me is that as I sow seed in the church where God's how where his heart is when I sow seed into that then I'm storing up an account in heaven that God is keeping record of and the Bible says God never forgets a seed sown not one time has he ever forgotten a seed sown and that's why what we do and the way we do things have to be according to his plan. And what we're building and what we're constructing, as we talked last week about our heart for the house, one of the first things we're doing is, is beautifying the front of our, our property when you come in the gate. You know, that's not really a pretty first sight that people have. And so when you come in the gate, there's going to be a new gate. There's going to be two new gates there. There's an entrance and an exit. There's going to be a new fence. There's going to be, you know, a lot of dirt work and things done in the front. And, and it's just going to be a lot more inviting for people that drive through the gate. So is that important to God? Well, so, some of you believe that because you've been around here for a long time, but is that in scripture, is it really important to God? And so, I want to look at this last passage that I, that I I want you to see today, and we're gonna we'll address it a little bit more next week. But um, in First Chronicles chapter twenty nine, First Chronicles twenty nine, um, and I'm gonna start with verse one. And verse one says. These were the offerings for the building of the temple. This is the temple that David bought the land for, that he supplied all the money for, and then Solomon built it. But this is is what David did. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great because the temple is not for man, but it's for the Lord God. Now, for the house of my God, I had prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver, and on and on and on. It, it just talks about all, all that. And he said, all kinds of precious stones and marble stones, all of it in abundance. So what David had done was he had bought the land, he had paid for it, and he, he had enough in, in the bank account 
to pay for the whole construction of the temple. So, what if I came in here today and said, listen, somebody wrote a check and has paid for not only the finishing of the front of the property, but the, the kitchen and the dining room over here that we talked about last week and classrooms and the upstairs, and it's all paid for. Well, that's what he told the people. It's all paid for. And so I did some pretty extensive research on, as you read these next few verses, I won't read them, but I'll just tell you what they say. So the people were presented with that, and David gave personally, if you, if you uh, uh, this would be the high side, I'll just say, uh, I'll just be a little bit lower, but, but uh, David gave personally on top of everything that was given in the temple, you know, towards the construction of the temple, for the temple, he gave almost a billion dollars in today's world. If you, if you transfigure that time to today, it would be worth about a billion dollars, and the people gave about two billion dollars on top of everything that was already paid for. And here's my point that I just want to leave you with today, okay? Here's my point. If my heart is in the house, and I'm convinced that sowing in the house, honoring God in the tithe and sowing seeds and this special offering that we do once a year, this this, uh, provision for the house, If I believe that that's true, and I had a seed that was set aside to sow into that, and then I found out that the whole thing was paid for, would I look at my wife and say, shoot, just keep that check? Or would I still honor God out of obedience to what God told me to do? You see, David paid for the whole thing, and they still gave because what they desired was there to be provision for the house for years to come because their heart was where God's heart was, and there are things that they learned about that that affected their life for generations to come. Let me tell you this little quick little story, and I'm done. Years ago, and, and I'm not mentioning, definitely not mentioning anybody's name, but and nobody in here even knows that this happened, but somebody came and gave a large offering, very, 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 very large offering years ago to the paying off of the property of this place. And uh, when they brought it to me, man, I was, we were thrilled. I mean, we were literally taken back about it. It was, it was a lot of money. And it, would, and it would have helped to pay off the, the property, which we paid off in a short period of time anyway. And I believe we paid it off in a short period of time for a reason. And... Under the direction of the Lord, I had to go to this person and say, why are you giving this? Under the direction of God. And you think, well, you know, that'd be really offensive or that'd be whatever. But I asked the person. And 
I won't tell you the answer that they gave me, but I'll just say this. It wasn't under the direction of God. And the church doesn't need your money. And I mean this with all my heart. Nobody sitting in here today, the church doesn't need your money. Oh, you don't, Pastor, so that means that the church is just has millions of dollars and worth millions? No, I didn't say that. The church doesn't need an individual's money. In fact, if, if Randy is going to sow a seed because he feels like that I might find out he didn't sow a seed and I would be mad at him, if that's the motive, then there's nothing coming back to him. See, Paul said, I seek the profit that increases to your account, not the seed itself, not the gift itself. And, and, and what I'm saying to you today, and, and I'm giving you these examples, and it's so important that you understand that there is a covenant between you and God that is being established in the realm of money. And God wants you to believe it like you've never believed anything else. When I say we don't need your money, I'm saying God doesn't need your money. He doesn't deal in Federal Reserve notes, number one. And he's got doors that are a whole pearl that could pay for everything here and then some. You understand? <clears throat> he doesn't need our money. What he wants is a covenant and a relationship and your heart to be connected to his. And we read earlier, if you're not faithful in money, you won't get closer to God. Because you can't, in, in Matthew 6, where we read, the next verse says, you can't serve God and money. But when you serve God, you can have money and be blessed and do everything that God says. And that's what he wants. He just doesn't want it to have us. He, do, he doesn't want it to control us. So, <clears throat> my encouragement to you today in, in all that I've said is this. If you've not thought about and purposed in your heart about a seed that you would sow, ask God. Ask God what he would have you to sow next week. You can take all month to sow a seed in, into our, our, the provision for the house that is for providing. This is a whole work in progress. You know, you, you, know, you can look at our place. It's not finished, but it's, in a, it's a work in progress, and we're finishing it. And if you are planted in this house and you desire to sow that seed, I'm telling you, you get involved in that, God will get involved in what you do because he set it up that way. You don't, you don't want to be part of the church family and not part of the giving family and the serving family. You want to learn how to step into that and be a part of it so that all of the blessings of God come on you and they overtake you. That's what we preach the word for that's what we set things up for on purpose so that you understand it so then you can make the quality decision between you and God and then you do what you what you feel comfortable with whether you do it or not you understand but you do what God says and I tell you at the end of the day there's no greater life to live than being where God's heart is and being connected to it and being a part of it and getting your feet established in it so that you can see things happen in your life that you've never seen before. And, I, and I, that's where our expectation and our belief for you is today. Can you say amen to that? Glory to God.